Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to please leave us a five-star review. We have some international flavor on this show today as we have a guest from across the pond over in the UK. But first, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? I'm doing good. And it's even better that I actually have a real expert to talk with on this show rather than just talking with you. So, you know me, anytime there's a guest, I'm really excited. I see uh, you're still taking jabs at me, but that's okay. It's too easy. <laughs> well, I think he's going to, I think he's going to protect me a little bit. So from, from you, JT, we have British broadcaster, journalist, and interviewer covering all things American sports. His podcast, Seb's Talks Sports otherwise known as Seb Kennedy. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for your time. How are you today? Very, very good. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be on, and I'm looking forward to getting into it. Absolutely, absolutely. Zeb being a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, I'm sure that might come up here down the stretch at some point. JT, are you ready to roll? It seems like Seb is. Yeah, let's get into it. All right, so the first thing this past Monday – the Chiefs announced they will host the Houston Texans at Arrowhead Stadium with only 22% capacity in stadium. So the answer I want to know from you guys is, should NFL teams have fans in the stands this upcoming season? JT, let's, let's kick it off to you first. Let me get your thoughts on it. I think my answer is going to be really simple, and it's no. And I don't understand how this is even a question and the fact that we already have a league that's going on in the NBA that has shown you look if you want to have a successful league where there's no margin of error there's no consequences of anybody contracting COVID you have to create a bubble situation which unfortunately means no fans so the fact that the NFL is even attempting minimal percentage of capacity to me is concerning one it shows me that they don't necessarily care about the players which we already know, and then they, they're sure they really don't care about the fans, in my opinion. So I just don't understand the reasoning, other than money, behind having fans this year at NFL games. It's, it's just proven not to be safe. So that's my answer. There's got to be no way they should have any fans until we get a handle on this thing. Seth, do you, do you agree with JT? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, just from a British perspective, like we have sort of a blanket law for the country, whereas you guys in the States have – of course, 50 different states and you have different laws in each state. So certain states will be permitting fans to come to games depending on the local situation of COVID in the area. Um, and I just think, yeah, I think it's not fair because one of the things I love the most about the NFL is the parity it offers um, with the salary cap and draft positions and that kind of thing. So having a league-wide rule that applies to every single team, uh, which will most likely be no fans at all, gives each team an equal fighting chance. And it's only fair, really, in my opinion. And if that is the case, it'll be interesting to see how teams like the Saints, Packers, and Chiefs fare this year, given that they just thrive on the home atmosphere, and it benefits other teams like the Chargers, who have a very different situation with their fan base. They're um, used to they're used to 22% capacity already, right? That's it. Yeah, that is 100% for them, I think. But <laughs> if, um, and yeah, I mean, of course, like, from a more serious point, while it'd be great to see the Raiders and the square A teams open their new stadiums with fans in, it's just, it's just not possible at the time being. So I think um, it's going to be a wait and see until 2021 on this one. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And for some of those reasons, as well as another one that I'll get to. But JT, I've said this from the get-go, that I want, as, I want sports as much as anybody. I know you guys do as well, but only under the safest, safest of conditions. So if the NFL can implement fan attendance safety, then that is a good start. But I have two issues with it. One goes to Seb's point that I don't think it would be fair for all teams – 
that if only some are allowed to have fans and others are not because of state laws. For example, Kansas City is basically going to have 16,000 fans, while Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills, for example, they're prohibited from having any fans or tailgating outside the stadium per New York state law. And there's other states and teams like that. And so the Raiders are not going to open a new stadium with fans. And I think it's, it's unfair because the Raiders now go to Kansas City and have to play in front of fans. But when Kansas City comes to play the Las Vegas Raiders, there's no one there. So it, it's not a true home field for the Raiders, but it still somewhat is for the Chiefs. And then, like Zeb said, yes, you got to have uniform across the league that either no teams can um, or once all states permit it, then they can open it back up the fans. The other reason why I don't think the fan safety will be there, think about a football game. Uh, Zeb, you were talking about how you've been over to the states and has, have attended a game. So I don't know if you've ever had a situation like this, but you have a lot of drunk football fans that can get angry. They can get excited. And even if you're not there with them, three rows, three rows up, they might be yelling. And now you've got spit coming down on you. You've got people running up and down the aisles because there's not as many people. They want to maybe chest bump or high five. Like that worries me with that social distancing aspect in the bathroom lines. Are you going to have a person outside stopping people coming in? I just think there's a lot of logistics there that you can't control fans who have maybe been drinking, or it's a football game. Very passionate. It's intense. I don't know how you can control some of the fans. Yeah, absolutely. And like just to the uh, just to the parity of it. Um, I mean, just like I mean, Pete Rozelle back in the sixties, commissioner back in the sixties, he was the one that decided to distribute the TV rights across the teams all equally. So that the league is built on a foundation of parity, especially in the modern era. So I think to take that away with COVID and allow more fans into the stadiums than other teams, then I just think it's it kind of removes that aspect of it, which is what I and I'm sure a lot of, a lot of other fans love about the league. Right. Yeah, and I'm also interested. You guys both make good points. I'm more so interested in what is the plan as far as liability? Because I'm assuming if you're going to go into one of those stadiums where they're saying that they're allowing fans, they're, they have to have you guys sign in some sort of waiver because this is an easy path to lawsuits for the NFL if somebody contracts COVID and, you know, you know forbid something bad happens. So I, I don't know what the clarity is on that situation. I guess we'll have to see what happens. But to me, I just can't imagine NFL owners needing money this bad for half a year. So I guess maybe this proves that even though they're rich, they're living paycheck to paycheck like regular people. But I just don't understand why billionaires need this money so bad. But I guess we'll see what happens. But let's move on to something I know we're going to disagree on, especially Donato, because he loves talking about running backs. So Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook, uh, late this past week, he reached an impasse in negotiations on a new contract with the team. So guys, I want to know from both of you, should the Vikings extend this contract before it's up or at the end of the season? I'll let, go ahead, Zeb. I'll, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I've got, I mean, I've got so many points for and against this, but just to start with, I think he got, kind of gets lost in the fold a little bit because McCaffrey took, um, he was just by far and away the best running back last year, but like Dalvin Cook is a stud. I mean, he was pro bowler last year, 823 yards rushing in the first eight weeks, which is just an incredible production. Um, and after trading Diggs to Buffalo, Minnesota didn't have to pay him, of course, pay Diggs. So you get a cheap rookie replacement in Jefferson. So that means there's more cap room to play uh, to pay a star player like Cook the year next. Um, and then after Cousins, left tackle Riley Reef and Adam Thielen, counting for the three biggest on the cap this year. The next five players are all defensive players. So GM Rick Spielman may take a look at the roster in the near future and invest more in surrounding Cousins with long-term weapons. And the number one player of those is undoubtedly uh, Dalvin Cook. Um, and then again, again, I mean, against that, GMs have got to take great caution with paying running backs because we've seen in recent years in the NFL how Todd Gurley, that, I mean, that's the, that's the famous one, isn't it? Like the league is becoming more part, more of a passing league and running back importance is diminishing as a result of that, which is reflected in, reflected in the salaries because you get wide receivers topping 20 million a year now, whereas running backs are only sort of in their teens. Um, and I mean, Dalvin Cook has had so much, so many touches last year. He had over 300 touches last year, which people don't really 
Um, which I think kind of gets lost and just 14 games. So yeah, that's a productive. Lot. That's yeah. a lot of touches. That's the magic number. Yeah, that is the magic number for the following season. Yep. That's it. And yeah, I mean, he's already had an injury history. Um, and like I said, we've seen it with Gurley on the Rams. So they're going to be looking for a, um, not to repeat that, trying to avoid that at all costs. So I think in terms of when it happens, I think it is a matter of time because he's such a talented player, but it depends on how well he performs this year. This is the make or break year for him. And if not, they'll get good value for him on the, uh, on the um, open market. Yeah. You bring up a lot of interesting points there. I'll throw in David, David Johnson, DJ, and that kind of girly getting a big contract injuries, not living up to the, to the value of it. But JT, you know me, you, what am I going to say, JT? Tag them until they die. I know how you feel about this. Franchise, <laughs> franchise tag, a team's two favorite words, franchise tag, right? Is that the Let, first word you said as a child was franchise tag? I feel like that. I, I'm I starting to understand it now. I don't think it existed in 1982, though, the franchise tag. <laughs> look, um, hey, look. You just you just totally dated yourself. I didn't say anything. So when this comes back to bite, you do not blame me. Hey, hey, I still feel young. A lot of energy, JT. I'm not worried that you know my age. So I think you let them play out this last year on the contract, like, like Seb said, and see what he does. There's a new offensive coordinator and no Stephon Diggs. Yes, you got Jefferson, but no Diggs. So I'm interested to see what numbers Cook puts up. He's never played a full 16-game season. He's missed 19 regular season games over three seasons. And like Seb said, the injury history, a torn ACL his rookie season. Phenomenal running back, but you need to prove that your health can maintain for 16 games because at the end of last year, his numbers dropped in that second half of the year as well. So, and with the new offense, I'm saying let's wait and just franchise tag him after the year, even if he has a huge year. So, JT, you know, I think he's a phenomenal running back. I would have liked to have had him go to the University of Miami and then to the Steelers, but I am not giving him an extension right now. Oh, this is tough because you know we disagree on this quite regularly. But the only reason I guess I have to go with you guys on this is what you guys already alluded to, which is the extensive injury history. 19 games in three seasons, no matter what position you play, that's a lot. So we already know running backs, you mentioned the 300 touches. So once you get 300 carries, that's the magic number. The Klein is on the way and he's already, you know, showing he's not the guy that you're going to trust to hold up over a long period of time. He's not a Ezekiel Elliott where you can count on him for a full 16. But Here's the, here's the tricky part. And you, uh, Seb, you mentioned a very good point about the cap, and they need to replace some parts on defense. They just lost Everson Griffin, which I can't believe they didn't bring back. And mm -hmm. the offensive line isn't as good as the assets that they put into it yet. Maybe it's still a work in progress. But you, if he wants to be paid like a top three running back, then absolutely not. They can't do this. Now, if they're talking about the 13 million or so a year that David Johnson got. Maybe we can have a conversation, but on top of what you guys said, the main reason why I would franchise tag him in this situation is the backup Alexander Madison. He's actually not all that bad. And maybe this is just the fantasy football player in me, but there were times where Madison was in the game and cook wasn't, and I couldn't even tell the difference. So I think their team is good enough that if, they have to tag Cook one year and they don't get to a deal the next. I think they'll be not that far off with having, you know, Alexander Madison or even Boone being that being those two guys in the backfield. So Cook, yes, he's a phenomenal player. He makes Cousins better. He makes that offense better because he's so talented. But I don't think his production is unreplaceable. So, yeah, I think the tag is coming. and I think that's the move they should make. And even before Madison was who Latavius Murray. So it yeah. kind of goes to the point on that's why you franchise tag him. You, you have that next guy up. Some, Cook is but, done. But, you but have a younger back, some guy. Some running backs aren't, aren't replaceable though. Like okay. you're not going to find another Ezekiel Elliott and he's healthy. That's a unicorn. That is true. And those are special situations, which I don't know if we're there yet with Cook, like Seb said, let's see what he does this year. So 
I'm glad Seb is on the show because, see, we got JT to kind of come over to our side. I knew you would protect me. See, I knew Seb would see, protect Seb, me. I don't, see, I don't, I don't want him to confuse you. <laughs> I am a smart business person overall. So I, if, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. If this, is a, this is an easy open and shut case. You agree, right? Like you don't pay an injured running back. Yeah, and like you say, they're so replaceable. Um, when you talked about um, uh, Madison behind, I, I just thought straight about uh, Pollard behind uh, Zeke in Dallas. Like you can—that's the thing. Running backs, there are so—they're always in the next draft, of course, like every position. But you can just, you know, just ticket them into the roster, and they can put up numbers as long as you've got a good O line and they can remember the playbook. They can give you like four or five yards of carry. So. Um, it's not like you're looking for a quarterback, which is a very obviously more specialist. Um, you're asking a lot more of a quarterback than a running back. So, if you know, and if your running back can help in the passing game as well, even on screens or slants or anything, any sort of basic routes, then you know, you're absolutely flying. So, yeah, I think that they can be easily replaced. But, like I say, a unicorn like Ezekiel is is harder to replace. Well, you mentioned quarterbacks, so let's go to the New England quarterback, Cam Newton, because quarterbacks are not always as replaceable um, or interchangeable as running backs. So now that Cam is in New England, as everyone knows, and playing under Bill Belichick, there are some high expectations for him. So that leads me to ask, guys, and, and Seb, you can – I'll turn it over to you first. Has Cam Newton underachieved so far in his career? This, I mean, this was another one I was so torn on. Um, I mean, I, I'll, give, I'll give you my sort of four argument as to why he has underachieved because, um, I mean, he was drafted very uh, drafted by Carolina the same year Ron Rivera joined. So he's had one of the greatest um, defensive football minds of the last 20 years and so much stability at the head coach position, which a lot of quarterbacks even don't get. Um, on bad teams because the head coach will just be year in, year out, or they're having to learn new playbooks. But Cam hasn't had to do that. He's had Ron Rivera's tutorage for nine straight years um, before, obviously, both of them parted ways this year. Um, and, uh, I mean, in addition, they've only had three winning seasons since Cam was drafted. The Panthers only had three winning seasons since 2011. And while Ron Rivera is a great football mind, if you're a quarterback and you're a first overall pick and a Heisman Trophy winner, you've got to raise the level of talent on your offense and be better than that because to only have three winning seasons um, is not great. When you've got this, you've got the face of your franchise, the guy who's meant to take it to the next level, to only have one. And yes, one's a 15-1 season when he's the MVP. And you go right to the, um, you know, right to the Super Bowl and had he, ju- had he jumped on that fumble, then perhaps we'd be talking about it a bit differently. But uh, <laughs> it's always about um, the know. fumble, is it? It's always about not jumping on the ball. How much do you want it, Cam? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, only three winning seasons out of nine. If you're a quarterback, you've got to be doing better than that. And obviously, there are lots of parts in play, the surrounding talent, which I can get to on my opposite argument, which, which wasn't elite by any means. But um, you've got to raise the level of talent on that roster. And especially in fourth quarters of games, if you're behind, you've got to drive your team down that field and get into the end zone one way or another. And it just didn't seem like the Panthers were able to do that enough over the nine years he was there. JT, what do, what do you think? I can't, I can't wait to see what, what you say after that. You know what's actually funny? I, this was also a tough question for me. And I thought hearing one of you guys go first would make it easier for me. And it made it actually more difficult. I'm, I'm going to go against everything that I normally do. I actually wrote down that, yes, he has underachieved. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to totally go against that. And I'm going to change course. And it was something that Seb just said, which I agree with. When you have a guy like Cam Newton that's coming out of college, the NFL's never seen anything like him. Like people say when they see him now, like there's regular humans and then there's that guy. Like he's different. He's an alien. You know, when you have an extraterrestrial in your team, you got to do things different. And as great as Ron Rivera has been on the defensive side of the ball, took him a long time to become a head coach. And there's a reason for that. And I feel Cam, yes, we're going to go through all this stuff. Three winning seasons in nine years. I'll take it one step further. One 4,000-yard passing season, and it was his rookie year, his entire career. But he hasn't had the weapons his entire time. He had Steve Smith for a little bit. But come on, he was throwing to Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. I mean, those guys aren't really even in the league. I mean, Benjamin's probably somewhere, you know, like me and you going to McDonald's, eating, you know, just regular dollar menu stuff. So, these are the guys that he's had to work with. 
not to mention the offensive line hasn't been great throughout his time there. Uh, the running backs until he got Christian McCaffrey, like Jonathan Stewart, they were always hurt. He just – Greg Olson has been the only guy that was there that he can rely on, and he's a tight end. So I really can't blame Cam. And like you mentioned, so let's look at the other quarterbacks that have been taken number one since he, since he came into the league in 2011. You got Andrew Luck, Jameis Winston, and Jared Goff. So if I'm comparing his career to those guys, I can't say that he's underachieved. I mean, yeah, Luck has the better stats, but we can give the same knocks on him turnover machine does he win the big games he's always injured and he actually had way more talent than cam did around him Jameis winston not even going to get into that conversation because i i pretty much think you guys are going to say that cam has had a better career and then Goff, who we might talk about a little bit later but so what he's thrown what two four thousand yard seasons but it's Jarrett Goff. like everybody claims sean mcveigh is the best coach of all time so when i'm looking at strictly in a vacuum of number one overall quarterback picks Absolutely not. He might be the best one since 2011. And I it's, I don't think it's on him that he hasn't done more because Carolina hasn't surrounded him with enough to compete in today's NFL. And they haven't surrounded him with the innovative offensive mind like they tried to do at the end with North Turner. They just I feel like Carolina just failed him. And that's why we're even having this discussion. Yeah, JT, you took pretty much all of my notes. You must have copied my notes somehow. You know, that... you know we have a strict policy that we don't do that on this show. <laughs> so, Seb, before I get to my point, I got to ask this. Do they have the dollar menu at the McDonald's in the UK? <laughs> um, I don't know. Obviously, we've got a different currency. so <laughs> <laughs> That's <Yeah>. true. That's... <laughs> um, I remember going to the States and seeing it, and it was something that was a bit different. I mean, we have, like, say we have like 99p cheeseburgers and that kind of thing like for under a pound like 99 cents cheeseburgers but the dollar menu is something that is very much um stateside i think okay is it 99 cents even over there or is it 99 something else not in 99 pence 99p yeah okay okay there you go jt we learned something new today so see, kelvin benjamin can eat globally see that's that was the point <laughs> <laughs> and and still be under a dollar or a pound. Mm -hmm. So so Seb, now that you've had a couple questions under your belt with our show, we got to come at you now. All right, now now you you've become one of us. So I got to agree with JT in that you can talk about the only three winning seasons out of nine, only three Pro Bowls, but the dude was a 2015 MVP. And now I know what you're going to say. That was five years ago. But, and he didn't fall on the fumble, but Andrew Luck, a lot of people think he was awesome, still had a great career, even though he retired early. Did he win MVP? Just asking, did he win MVP? No. So why do we kind of lift up Luck, but knock Cam? I, I never understood that. And to go to JT's point, did he ever have like an awesome offensive line? I mean, think about the Patriots. They keep bringing back JT's boy, Dante Skarnecchia, because they know how important the offensive line is to Tom Brady. He didn't have a good one last year. What happened? They couldn't, they couldn't win a playoff game. He went to they, Tampa. That's what they, happened. Exactly. He knew. He knew the writing's on the wall. Let me get out. Dante's not coming back. I got to get out. So, and what were the Panthers? This is always something people, and, and I heard this, so I can't take total credit for it. But people tend to forget when you're drafting number one overall, what does that mean? Your team is bad. You don't have a lot of talent. So the reason why the Panthers were selecting number one overall and took Cam, they lost a ton of games. They were not very good. They didn't have a lot of talent. So it takes a couple years. And you saw him hit his stride in 2015. And one thing neither of you mentioned, I never say that someone is a bust or underachieved when they have an injury history. And Cam has had that, and not all of it is his fault. You go back to Mike Tolbert, according to him, the Panthers mismanaged the health of Cam from the shoulder to the foot because they kept saying it was an ankle injury, having him play through it at the beginning of last year, I believe, when it was a foot injury. So I, I blame some of that on the Panthers too, and that's why I think Cam has not underachieved. I mean, no help injuries some of it the Panthers the blame and the main thing is comparing him to well not the main thing but comparing him to other guys like JT did 
Why do we think Andrew Luck is so great and has achieved success when Cam has done more, gotten further, and we say he's underachieved? I, I don't get it. Change my mind, Seb, if there's something else. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you, JT. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the injuries, again, play a big part. We were just talking about that um, in the last segment. But, yeah, I mean, MVP – very few people in NFL history have ever won an MVP. So to have that on your resume is something that you hold very high, and rightly so. And since Steve Smith left the Panthers in 2014, Cam's only had two wide receivers that have had a thousand yard plus seasons. Um, Ooh, of course, we talked about, yeah, we talked about Greg stats. Olson. Good stuff. Greg, Greg Olson's had a couple, obviously at tight end, but yeah, Kelvin Benjamin, who's now um, somewhere with Ronald McDonald, and then DJ Moore <laughs> last year. Mike Tolbert's there with him. I forgot Mike Tolbert played on that team. That's the all out of shape team. This is what Cam had to deal with. Yeah, not a lot. Not, I mean, yes, yeah, so not not a lot of elite level. I mean, Steve Smith in his heyday was obviously before Cam really and had a few years with Cam. But um, it's going to be very interesting to see how he does um, on the Pats because the Pats have a sort of a similar level of offensive talent, not an elite group at all. I mean, you've got Edelman there. He's probably the the longest one um he's been there the longest of any offensive player and yeah i mean josh mcdaniels gets overlooked massively he is one of the most underrated offensive coordinators in the entire league and if, if anyone's going to get that get the best that i can i think it's going to be him we're here i'm glad we're not having that conversation today because that would be a battle next <laughs> next time next time we'll talk about josh big day <laughs> but no um Good point. Before we before we move on to the next uh, discussion, I just want really quick from you, Seb. How do you think Cam? What's your expectations for Cam in New England this year? Well, um, I think it's very year to year. Obviously, we, with the contract the way that turned out, it does seem to be a one year the pan, the Pats can get out if they want to. But I think I think as long as you've got Bill Belichick on the sideline, you're going to have high expectations. And if Cam stays the same sort of guy he is with the hieroglyphics on Instagram and <laughs> the hats and all of that kind of stuff then I mean well that's all fine if, if I'm a Pats fan I'm wanting I don't mind all that as long as he's performing on the field if we go 12 and 4 and Pat you know Cam could be who he is but if he's not if they go 6 and 10 or something horrendous I don't think that's going to happen just because Belichick is so good at what he does and he's you know just an, one of the best head coaches if not the best of all time with eight rings um, I think yeah Cam Cam is um, the expectations I think I don't know. That division is not the strongest. I mean, we're seeing the Bills coming up and the Dolphins, I think, are working working through things and they're definitely there. They've got potential in a few years. But um, yeah, I think the Pats are still, in my opinion, the favourites to win that division just because Belichick's still on the sideline. It's okay. You can say it. We, I know the division is weak. You can say the Dolphins are still working on a top three pick for next season. I get it. I, I've, I've accepted that reality. That's who we are. <laughs> we're picking number one overall next year. Don't worry. Yeah, I mean, well, now we can't take a quarterback like I wanted to, but we'll see what happens. But um, we're talking about, you know, all things old and aging in the NFL. So that brings me to something that I want to discuss with you guys. Let's take it to the team perspective. So there are so, so many teams that possibly could be seeing their windows closed with aging rosters that may be on their last leg. So I just want to know, what's, what's one team that stands out to you guys that if they don't make some noise this year, this could be it for them? Seb, go ahead. I'm, I'm interested to see what you, what you say on this. Okay, I've got two. I don't know if – I just have two in case someone picked mine. Um, <laughs> right. I got, I, two, I, I got two as well. That's why I wanted you to go first. <laughs> okay, I, okay. Oh, it's I'm a gonna chess go. match. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to go New Orleans. Um, I think the Saints, just because – Right, I've got to start with obviously the quarterback Drew Brees, forty-two in January, forty-two years old, and I think if the um, if the Saints had won the Super Bowl last year, I think he would have retired. He would have retired on a high and not bothered coming back. And I know you pick up Jameis Winston to sit on the bench, but he's nowhere near the level of Drew Brees, even though Brees' arm strength is um, continuing to decline at this point. Uh, and it's a make-or-break year for the offense. I mean, Kamara is entering his fourth year; he'll be looking for a big payday soon while he's on his rookie deal. Um, the Super Bowl window is still open, albeit very short. Emmanuel Sanders is 33. The Saints only had four draft picks, four draft pick selections this year in this year's draft, which is crazy. But they obviously brought in a lot um, in the offseason. Malcolm Jenkins, Ty Montgomery, Nigel Bradham, and, you know, in addition to some of the names I mentioned before. So it's another, in um, another indicator that they're all in this year, so to speak. 
Um, so it's such a huge year for Sean Payton. Um, everyone is just another year older. I mean, the people they bring in in free agency aren't the youngest uh, either. So next year, the Saints could look a lot different whether they win the Lombardi or not. So I think it's all in on the Saints this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if Drew Brees hangs up the cleats after um, this season. I, I've got two NFC South teams. So that was one of them was the Saints. So great job there. I'll go with the other team, which I guess is not a big surprise either. And you might even be wondering why I have them on the list because their window may have actually already closed. But I'm going to go the Falcons because I feel like since they blew the Super Bowl, everyone's always expecting them to kind of get back there or challenge in the NFC South, the Saints. But Matt Ryan, can you believe this? He's going to, he is 35 years old. He's that up fast. <laughs> that, yes, yes. And his interceptions doubled last year. All right. So to me, the Super Bowl seems ages ago. But I always feel like every year they're like, all right, we got Julio back, Matt Ryan. All right, we got Devontae Freeman. And like they kind of tried to put some pieces on defense. And they just haven't been able to get back. Like I said, this window may be closed, but they only won seven games last year. They have the Saints in their division plus the Bucks. And furthermore, signing Gurley to me shows you how desperate they are. And they think like, because you're not signing Gurley long-term. You're signing because you think, hey, he can help us right now because we feel we're somewhat close. So that goes to show me how desperate they are. And they know the window is closing. And then the biggest thing is they're projected to have negative cap space uh, for 2021. And no one in like their core group that they have is younger than 27. So I just think that if the window hasn't closed already, which I think it has, it is closing and it's this year because everyone's just getting older, including Julio Jones. Hmm. Those are two interesting choices. I, I obviously wanted to pick the Saints, but the more I looked at it, I'm not so sure that it's more of their window is closing more so that it's Drew Brees' window is closing. Because I think what makes that team go is the coaching. And I think Teddy Bridgewater showed it last year. They can still win. And I think if, let's say, they, like you said, they don't win it this year and Brees rise off into the sunset, I can see them actually being more dangerous with Jameis Winston under center because people have to respect, you know, what they can do more. Because everybody knows, you know, the Saints, they're going to run the ball in this short passing. And to your point about the Falcons, I think, they haven't gotten back because they lost Kyle Shanahan. I mean, that's a big loss. I mean, he, he took his new team to the Super Bowl. So, But they had a core of their players there, and I yeah. think the expectation was we keep them together and we'll get there, and that's been the problem. They haven't gotten there. Yeah, I think, I think with them, I think it's a combination of that, and just they haven't been that good at X's and O's, but we'll see. But um, the team that I picked is a team that I think Three years ago, everyone swore was going to be the next dynasty, and they are going the opposite direction. And I think they're in a really dangerous place. And it's the Rams. And I knew you were going reason, there. I knew you were going there. You got it. You got a dog, Sean McVay. Go ahead. I'm not. I'm not. Hey, look, look. If if you're if you are the anointed one and you're doing what you're supposed to do, I'm see? gonna give you all the credit in the what, world. What did I but say? Seth? You see how he prefaced that? He puts all <laughs> these big words because he's about to dog them. <laughs> You know me too well. <laughs> but no, it's the same reason that everyone was so quick to anoint Sean McVay. They just totally just either, you know, to take for granted or they disregard somebody like Bill Belichick and how hard it is to do what he's done. But just look at the Rams. They were in the Super Bowl two years ago. And before that, everyone thought that this was, they were basically supposed to be what the Chiefs have become. Like everybody thought that was going to be them first. And then, you know, three years later, you look up and see what's happened. Gurley's gone, like you said. He's in Atlanta. They had one of the worst offensive line play in football last year. They were down there with the Dolphins, us. Like, we're terrible. So you look at that and how their offense has struggled, and then you look at away from that what's happened. Goff, to me, you know Donato how I feel about Goff. I don't think he's been that great at all. I never understood the hype around it. But he's actually regressed, and – you can say maybe when Todd Gurley, you know, started to really have those injury things happen to him, that's when Goff's play kind of fell off. But has he really 
played like a number one overall. I mean, I think the Rams at this point wish Goff played like Cam and maybe they'd be, you know, in better shape. And the weapons around Goff in that offense, now that Gurley is gone, is average at best. I mean, who are their go-to people? Cooper Cup is good, but, I mean, you got guys like Robert Woods. Those are, I mean, those are good football players, but they're not, you know, those alpha number one guys that you can say, you know what, this guy can take over a game. And then when you look at the roster and now you don't have any of these alphas, how are you going to win? It's got to be the coaching. And that's where, like you said, I'm going to get on Sean McVay. Everybody says he's the best play caller in the league, maybe one of the best we've ever seen. But I told you this last year before the Super Bowl, Donato, I was like, I think the league was catching up to Sean McVay. And I think the Patriots kind of gave them a blueprint on how to s- slow down the Rams in that Super Bowl, which is why they didn't score. So, and that's evidenced by their total ranking offense last year. I think they were like 19th or 20th. So that shows you from a Super Bowl team, the offense is going backwards. The best player on their team is turning 39 this year. That's Andrew Whitworth, the offensive lineman. Like that's a whoa, whoa, whoa! Best player on their team I'm on their offense. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> on their offense. I'm not no okay. Aaron Donald. That's not the big. Okay. On their offense is turning 39. But I'm glad you mentioned Donald. I feel like they're essentially maybe wasting his prime because I don't see them being able to win anymore. And it, and it's also too because. People are not going to talk about this, but they've been terrible drafters. People think that, you know, when he first started and they were good, you know, they had Gurley and all these players. They were there before he got there. Who have the Rams drafted since McVay was put in charge that you can say is actually an impact player? I'll wait because I don't know any of them. So I'd have to go back and look exactly. But, yeah, a lot of those guys were there before he got there. They traded for Jalen Ramsey. And that's and that was going to be my final point, Jalen Ramsey. I think the final nail in the Rams coffin, regardless of what happens this year, will be extending Jalen Ramsey because you only make that move if you're a cornerback away from winning a Super Bowl, and they are not. So if they don't win it this year, I think it's all over. They're going to have to blow the entire thing up, and it's going to be sad because just three years ago, they were supposed to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, and, and Seb, you can, you can jump back in. I'm going to – two things I want to address there because you said a lot there, JT. One, with the Rams is I told you they should not have signed Gurley to that extension when they did. And but that, be, but to be but, fair – But that is hurt fair, we didn't we, – we didn't, and this is shame on the Rams because it's – and, Seb, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like the Rams knew that this arthritis was a thing. And, but if you know that, and us as the fans, we don't, there's no way you make that move. And, and that's my point is they were still able to get to the Super Bowl with a banged up girly. And he, he didn't exist in the playoffs, even in that Super Bowl. So, and it showed. How many points did they score? It, exactly, it showed. But that can you not give credit to McVay in that, hey, you get me some pieces back, give me a year or two, but we'll get back there. Maybe the window's closing with some of the guys on this team, but not all. So it come that I think that situation's because of Gurley. They ended up not having a running back the last two years, and they had all this cap. They had they had his contract eating up a lot of the cap, so they couldn't. But what fix about what about your number one other overall pieces? franchise quarterback, the guy you took number one overall that you already extended to a big deal? Well, he's okay. So don't, if you're, if you're don't supposed to be that guy, yourself, and I'm paying you this much money, okay. you're supposed to overcome all, all, all right, deficiencies. Let me, let me jump. That's what Tom Brady does, and he has a great coach. Okay, can I speak now? Because don't contradict yourself. Last topic was Cam Newton, and you were defending him, and then he didn't have weapons. What do you want Goff to do when there's no running game? They're a one-dimensional team, and Cooper Cup was injured, right? I mean, Brandon Cooks, like, I don't know what you want out of Goff when there's no one there because I defend Cam. I'm going to defend Goff the in Ram, The Rams have m- way more weapons than Cam has had at some point. There's okay, no receiver no the no on the Rams that has been as bad as Devin Funchess. And Goff got to the Super Bowl with it. Anyway, in this whole thing, I think Zeb is, Zeb is correct in that it's the Saints. And JT, I think you're wrong with saying, oh, it's just we'll put another quarterback in there. No, because when – the season ends, they're going to be over the cap by $36.6 million. Now, yes, if Breeze retires, they'll be, they'll be even. But guess who they got to sign? Kamara. You can't sign Kamara if you're right at the cap limit. So what do you have to do? You have to get rid of players in order to re-sign Kamara. So that window that they had with this team for the Saints is gone. And 
it's this year or nothing ever again until Peyton rebuilds the team. Seb, anything else? I, I totally agree with you, Seb. I said the Falcons, but at the end of the day, I, I truly do agree with you. It's, it's the Saints. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I just I, I went straight to the quarterbacks. Um, just on the Rams, I don't want to touch a nerve. But yeah, I mean, like, just in terms of the agents of both Todd Gurley and Jared Goff, like, great work from them, cashing in at the right time and getting their <laughs> clients their deals because they did. A great, great job there. And um, remember that also they picked up CJ Anderson. Without him, some of his key runs, they probably wouldn't have even got to the Super Bowl. So he was obviously a completely different style of runner. He's a lot heavier and more of a bruiser than mm-hmm. um, than Todd Gurley. But yeah, that, that certainly helped. And I think Goff really, um, opposed, um, in uh, in addition to Sean, Sean McVay's uh, play calling, that three-headed monster at wide receiver with uh, Woods, Cooks and Cup, like just, yeah, I mean... Um, like you, you, there's always one of them open, and Goff was able to just about hit one or the other when they, he had um, he had good protection, which obviously fell off a cliff last year, like we mentioned earlier. So yeah, I mean the Rams are definitely a very good shout, and I can see an argument for a lot of teams really. But I think the Saints um, makes a lot of sense, like you added to Don with the cap space. That's a that's a, a big point as well. All right, so so two to one, I. You got you guys. Uh, you guys ganged up on me, so uh, I guess we'll have to go with the Saints. Jameis Winston, if you're listening, I still believe in you. I think you could take him to a Super Bowl. That's just me. But um, guys, good stuff. So we're already talking about teams in decline. So let's just go to players. So just real quick from everyone, give me three guys that you think are in decline and that they will be exposed this season. I'll go with Seb. Yeah, he 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 has he has all the right answers. So I'm gonna go with the genius. <laughs> Uh, okay, right. I've got. I mean, I've got to start with a Jag, and that is Leonard Fournette. Unfortunately, and it pains me as a Jags fan, but I think his days in Duval are numbered. Um, and last season was his most productive in terms of yardage, um, but his fifth-year option was obviously declined, and he's been exposed as sort of a one-trick pony, really—a downfield runner, unable to make defenders miss in the open field. Not the fastest player either. There are a lot of safeties and um, line, even linebackers catching up to him when he's meant to be breaking free for a touchdown, but. Um, and I think his physicality means he's going to be reserved to more of a CJ Anderson type career, like I just mentioned, as a bruiser in short yardage situations, like third and twos, third and threes. I don't think he's a an RB1 for any team at this stage, given that um, players of his position need to be more versatile in the passing game as well. And it's a real shame because a lot of um, draft Knicks and Jags fans like myself were huge on him coming out of LSU because... Um, but he just couldn't make that step up to the pro level. And college defences are, of course, much simpler to read for running backs and a lot weaker. But I think behind that O-line, which was dreadful last year, he could be exposed massively going into 2020. Um, okay, number two, I've got Dwayne Haskins. And I think this could be quite a popular choice. Whoa, that's a quick that's a quick decline. He's in his second year. It's He's true, falling yeah. off the cliff real he, he quick. He came in on a decline. Uh, yeah. Um, wait, was he drafted last year or the year before? I can't remember. Is this I, think last year? Year. I think last year. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be only his second year, yeah. But hey, yeah, right. stick stick with it, man. Stick with it. That's Tell it. us I why. Mean, Tell us why. I mean, I mean, to, I guess to back it up and kind of um, give myself an argument here, the thing is with the NFL, we're seeing teams year in, year out just drafting quarterbacks, trying to hit on someone. The Browns have been doing it for the last decade. And um, that is it. Like At this level, if you can't perform in a year or two, you're just, you're, you seem to be gone. And a lot of the... Like, Joss Rosen is the perfect example. You often, Sometimes you get thrown in the wrong situation. It just doesn't work out. And you get considered the bus when you were just on a bad organization. Sam Darnold may be going that way as well. But, um, yeah, anyway, sorry, I digress. But, I mean, I said, like I said, a lot of people are calling Haskins a bus. I wouldn't go that far just yet because, again, second season. But I think he's got a lot to prove this year if he wants to be a competent starting quarterback for next year. He's not a lot got, got a lot of surrounding talent. Terry McLaurin um, is just an incredible wide receiver. Um, snubbed of a pro bowl last year in my opinion running back trio this year Peyton Barber Adrian Peterson and a third round rookie Antonio Gibson out of Memphis Um, so that's a lot of help on the ground there if he wants to hand the ball off and of course Ron Rivera comes from Carolina who of course the other day was diagnosed with cancer so get well soon Ron um, because that's obviously um, very important and that's that's tough I think if they go behind early in games I don't think Washington can rely on Haskins passing ability because he and our offense just aren't designed for a shootout. And we've not seen anything from Haskins that suggests he's able of doing that. And we may see a bit more of Alex Smith this year because we've seen him on, um, yeah, we've seen him training uh, the last few days. And that's great because obviously he had that 
horrendous injury a couple of seasons back. Mm-hmm. It looked like he was done and dusted, but he's back on the field now. Kyle Allen as well, who Ron Rivera brought as well from Carolina. He obviously liked the look of him. And Haskins is sat behind a middle-of-the-road offensive line. I think they were 13th last year, according to PFF. Um, and they've only added one draft pick, uh, Sadiq Charles out of LSU. So he's going to need top 10 protection in order to stand a chance, really, um, behind, behind that line. And quickly, number three, Dak Prescott. Again, a younger player, but there are no excuses for Dak this year. He's got Mike McCarthy instead of Jason Garrett, a huge upgrade from play calling. Um, he's got potential to be a top five off offense with Zeke in the battle, Damari Cooper, Seaman, and Michael Gallup, which is just another great three-headed monster there. Like I was saying with the Rams earlier, that can give you a lot of versatility and options, passing options in this era of the NFL, especially. And a great defensive core who are going to make Dak look better and give him better field position. And of course, you bring in Andy Dalton, one of the best backups in the league, breathing down Dak's neck, ready to replace him if necessary. And I think he could actually thrive in Dallas, given he's got so much, so many more weapons than he ever did on the Bengals. And I've never been the biggest Prescott fan, admittedly, and I don't think the Cowboys have either, or else they'd have signed him this year instead of tagging him. And obviously they had a lot of cap space. They signed Amari Cooper instead and tagged Dak. But without the season, I'll tell win or two this year, especially in that division, the NFC East is not to be the worst division in football. I mean, you can go 500 and maybe sneak in the playoffs. <laughs> which a lot of divisions, the NFC West couldn't even dream of something like that. I think Dak's going to be ex- exposed hugely this year if he doesn't step up and take that franchise. And you're playing for the Dallas Cowboys, biggest franchise in the league. All eyes are on you. You've got all the media coverage. So no excuses this year. So those are my three. Wow. Man, JT, he came prepared, did his research, threw out some stats. I love it. I love I, it. I really feel for Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> Life comes at you fast. Hold <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're right. Purrs out to Ron Rivera. Get well soon. And then Absolutely. also, when you talked about the Cowboys trio, Seb, I don't know if you know this, but according to JT, they're they're not they're not worth anything. That that trio, he he, he has no respect for them. Real quick, my list of three. JT knows what I'm talking about. I think it goes back to last episode. My list of three, real quick, and then you guys can pick one, and I'll defend it. Okay. Philip Rivers, Chris Harris, and then A.J. Green. So if there's one you don't agree with, I'll defend it. But I just wanted to go through the list because I wanted to get my three guys out there. And I know JT's always going to disagree with one of them. So I figured throw them out there. I'm ready to defend it. If you guys agree, hey, I, I don't mind that either. You think you know somebody. You see, I feel like you don't give me enough credit because – Actually, one of the guys on my list was AJ Green. So I we figured do... it might be because you don't like him in fantasy. He screwed you over a few times. <laughs> no, I agree with you on AJ Green for obvious reasons. He's what thirty-two. He's been injury prone for a while, and you know, you know who he... you know what the stats say about receivers that you know when they're in their thirties. So if you're already hurt, then I mean, I mean that just screams decline. What were you, you know, gonna say? You know who he's starting to remind me of with injuries and missing games and. Can he still do it? Does he still have those physical skills at an NFL, you know, peak level? Is a little bit of Des Bryant. How Des kind of faded mm. like that. Yeah. In my, in my opinion. AJ may have a little bit of a of a, rejuven, a rejuvenation because of Joe Burrow, but it's tough to rely on a rookie like that. I think I think though the difference between those two is I feel like Des wasn't a complete receiver to begin with. So he was really doing a lot of physical skills. Like I don't, we'll see how, you know, good of a receiver AJ is like, is he a phenomenal route runner? Does he still have some speed down the field? But that's a good comparison, but we definitely agree on AJ. Um, my next two, uh, two number two is Matthew Stafford. And I think Ooh, it's more because okay. he, he's getting older and he had an injury last year that quarterbacks normally don't have the back injury. And Anytime you say back and vertebrae and things like that, that makes me nervous because, you know, what's to say he doesn't get one blindside shot and then, you know, his career or his season is over again. So he's already getting older. I think that he will be on a decline this year for sure. Um, And my third one, Donato, you're not going to like this, is Big Ben. And bear with me. I can understand. No, I'm not disagreeing. I can understand it. Listen, if he doesn't get it done this year, it's over. I mean – and I don't even know if he gets it done this year. 
he had a serious injury. I mean, three ligament tears in your throwing elbow. And I didn't know this, but they were saying they made it seem as if he had been dealing with this for years and they have been kind of holding off this procedure until it got to the point where it just finally snapped. So he was aware that this was and, going on. So, and, it, and I believe if I recall correctly, it was hurting him toward the yeah. end of training camp or during training camp. So, and of course it happened in week two. Yeah. So, I mean, you never want to see a quarterback have an injury on their throwing arm and then for it to be season ending, he's already a little bit older and then also, too, this is probably going to be the first real extensive time that we've seen him without A.B. So everyone's always had that, that question, is it Ben or is it A.B.? Like, you know, like which one's making the other one that much better? I think it's 50-50 split, but we'll see. Because, I mean, like if Ben it, yeah. can do it with this offense, then I think the questions are answered. But I think not having A.B. and then coming off of this injury, I think you're going to see a major decline from Ben. Mm, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just want just AJ Green. If Joe Burrow's in training camp and he's got T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, both of them I like a lot. I love Tyler Boyd um, especially. Um, why is he going to be throwing to AJ Green? He's over thirty and maybe <laughs> can't, can't you know can't put up the numbers because Joe Burrow. Um, I mean, a lot of it's about chemistry, right, and exactly. dependability, especially as a young quarterback. And if I'm develop, if I'm Joe Burrow, developing a great chemistry with T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, some of these younger guys, then. I've got no need to go to AJ Green. And that's a shame because, again, he's one of the best Bengals of the last 10 years and just an incredible player at his peak. But we've not seen that peak for a good four or five years now. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's one. And I had the, the Steelers was the other team in my um, in my uh, decline. Uh, sorry, in my window, closing window um, section because, yeah, Big Ben's 38. 38 mm -hmm. years old. And it feels yeah. like he's been 35 for the last six years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that, yeah, I mean, that's that, um, that injury last year was horrendous. And we saw how important it was as well because the, the quarterback depth behind him was just dreadful. And credit to Mike Tomlin for winning as many games as he did with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph um, on the centre because that is, that's an incredibly tough job. So, yeah, and Juju, like you were talking about AB there, Juju has sort of struggled since... AB, obviously, what happened to AB, and AB was the kind of double teams and that kind of thing and coverage, and Juju seems to have not really filled that void left by AB, which is tough. Obviously, AB is one of the, in terms of talent on the field, one of the best receivers I've ever seen watching the NFL. And, yeah, that's that's a, obviously a big, big void there. And Juju's coming up to a contract year as well. So, the window's closing there, and Big Ben, it's going to be going to be a tough year. But if he's still got it, I'd love to see it because I'm, I'm excited to, to watch how he, how he is. This is why I'm excited to have Seb on the show. Because he said two things, and I saw the look on your face, and you got really nervous. I wish you would have led with the Steelers being that decline team, because I feel like that would have just made him so uncomfortable. But then, <laughs> this is why you're my best friend, because you took it this much further. You brought up Mason Rudolph. So, Donato, why don't you tell him how you feel about Mason Rudolph? Listen, Seb listens to our show. He knows I'm a fan of Mason Rudolph, but... You know, that was before I got to see him play every day in the NFL, okay? So let, let's leave it at that. But it does sound like you guys are saying that Antonio Brown and Big Ben and the Steelers, they all needed each other there. And Maybe on Bill too, yeah, absolutely. And, and him, yeah, and him. So that window, yeah, I, I agree there, uh, Seb, that that window is, is closing really quick, really quick. I think it's already closed. <laughs> it, and it might be. You might be right. But the thing that gives them that little bit of the window still open is the defense. Mm -hmm. So, so Seb, no one wants to hear any more from JT and myself. All right. The fans want to hear from you. So, these next couple of questions are only for you. So, JT, you know, don't, don't chime in your answer, okay? Don't. You know, if you want to question Seb, that's okay, but don't chime in with your own opinions. So, you being over in the UK, we had to ask this question. Should the NFL have a team over in the UK and would it work? Because they've talked about it now for a couple of years. They've had many of the London games over there. What are your thoughts on it? Okay, so obviously I'm talking about this from a non-COVID-19 perspective because that of obviously course. blows everything up. So, right. yeah, this is obviously in the future in a non-COVID world which we'll hopefully get back to very soon. Um, I mean, personally, from what I've seen, the, um, the community, the market is definitely here because the UK have just grown to love the NFL and would happily embrace an NFL team in the country. But, of course, there are lots of 
logistical issues across Atlantic flights, players having to relocate with their family. It's not just turning up to games every Sunday. You've got to move your family over to the UK, learn a new culture, salaries are in a different currency, different tax rates, visas, all of that kind of boring paperwork stuff, um, but obviously some important stuff as well. Two, um, we've already seen the NFL Europe League come and go, which ultimately failed, but that was a few years ago now. But I think locating a single NFL team in the UK would definitely be a step in the right direction. And I think we've seen a bit of progress in the last few years with Shard Khans, um, obviously the owner of my Jags. He attempted to perch Wembley Stadium and increase uh, the London games from one to two, which was a clear indication that if any team was to move, it would be the Jacks. However, um, Rotoworld recently reported it was unlikely international games would go ahead. And of course, they have been cancelled due to the pandemic. So in terms of this year, there's nothing like that. But hopefully further down the line, there could be. Other than that, I can only really see a team like the Chargers moving to the UK, where their original fans in San Diego suffered from the move to LA. And they're now struggling to fill their stadium, let alone the new one that's coming Obviously, this is from a non-COVID perspective because we know there's not going to be fans. Um, the head of NFL International and League's Chief Strategy and Growth Officer, I thought this was a great quote. Christopher Haplin said, quote, there's nothing blocking us from having a franchise in London. Normally, that kind of stuff gets shut down immediately if there's any sort of um, uncertainty, but they seem to be open to the idea. So there's definitely, it's definitely a step in the right direction. And I think the first step for that would be to host a key event in the UK. Obviously, we've got all the NFL UK stuff. We've got all the tail, not the tailgates, but we've got these big parades on Piccadilly. So we have some sort of events over here, but I would love to see a draft or a combine or potentially even a Super Bowl, who knows, down the line. And that I think could be a bigger step in the right direction to having a team here. And of course that brings in a lot of logistical issues, flying all the players and personnel over. So I think, should they be a team here? In the UK, absolutely. Because while it's the NFL, um, the National Football League, and it's, of course, very American, and Americans love it being theirs and in their country. Of course, we see the NBA. You've got the Raptors in Canada. Uh, MLB, we've got some teams. NHL is across two countries. So there is the option to expand to another market. It just doesn't have to be the, the country next door. So I think should there? I think absolutely. Because if you think of the revenue, you could bring in, you could attract a whole new fan base and bring a whole new market. And you've got the potential to really make an impact and grow the game here in the UK exponentially, which it already seems to be picking up. Would it work? I'm not so sure, just because of all the logistical issues and that kind of thing. But personally, I would love to see a team. And if it was the Jags, that'd be a huge coincidence because obviously they're my team. And But I do feel for the fan base that has their team potentially ripped from... Um, from the states because that's a hard thing. I know that in um, in uh, in the states, any team that's moving St. Louis for the Rams a few years back, obviously a lot of um, people struggled that loss, uh, that tough loss for people because I know that team um, fans there are very much sort of local to their team. So if a team relocates, sometimes they'll either switch teams or that kind of thing. Um, we don't have that sort of moving here in the UK. It's very rare. It's only happened once to a, a soccer team. So I, I can imagine how tough that is. I know that obviously all the leagues have teams come and go. The Supersonics in Seattle in the NBA back in the day. So there is that team movement that we don't have here in the UK. But to see it come over to the UK, would I love to see it? Yeah, why not? Would it work? Not so sure. But maybe down the line, I think. Um, so yeah, that, that would be, that'd be my answer. Well, it seems like it's going to be a race between after all of the COVID um, circumstances, it seems like it may be a race between the NBA and the NFL to get a team overseas. They've been talking about it for years. You bring up a lot of interesting points, some hurdles, but they probably can, you know, maybe get over those. What I want to know is, can you explain briefly what a Piccadilly is? <laughs> yeah, pick, uh, yeah, a Piccadilly, it's a bit like, our, uh, well, we have Piccadilly Circus. It's a bit like Times Square kind of thing. You know, lots of lights and that kind of, it's like one of the main roads in London. And okay. every year we have a sort of like an NFL kickoff event at Piccadilly. Um, and they just get all, they just blast the, um, blast the street with all the, all the usual uh, bells and whistles of the NFL. And it's absolutely great. Big up players coming over. I actually met Paul Boslesny, Jags legend. So that was cool. At the NFL UK event, I met um, Ron Jaworski, back, an Eagles QB back in the 80s. He's actually got a Super Bowl ring from the Eagles in 2017, which I got to wear. So that was quite cool. 
Um, and it's just, it's lots of good fun. I don't know if you guys listen to um, the, the Around the NFL podcast. The guys are over there. I'm a huge fan of that show. And they're, they're doing some live stuff um, year in, year out across the pond. So, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a great event. And we've got a lot of great talent coming over. And hopefully there'll be some more of that. And hopefully some more bigger events in the future from the States. JT, that sounds like our sort of party. We got to get over there eventually and, and check out that event. Yeah, I'm already sold. <laughs> <laughs> it don't take much to sell JT on a, on a good time. So, Seb, we're going to put you on the spot now. We want to know what your Super Bowl prediction is and who the winner will be. All right? We know it's only August, but we got to put you on the spot. And listen, if you're wrong – you're going to hear from, from us about it throughout the year, especially if it really, ends up being a team that starts 0-8. You're going to hear from it about us, or you're going to hear about it from us, sorry. So, you know, don't be offended, but we'll, we'll come for you a little bit. So no pressure here. Okay, right. So I was trying to get cute and pick all these dark horses, but there were too many teams. And, I mean, people have been pumping up the Browns and the Cardinals and all that kind of thing, but I just thought – Keep it simple. Right. AFC, Kansas City Chiefs. It's got to be the Chiefs, in my opinion, just because when I interviewed Brian Bolding a couple of months ago, he said something to me that stuck out. Obviously, in the offseason, we saw these trades going on and backwards and forwards, and teams' levels are going up and down, but the Chiefs have not got weaker in the slightest since winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> They've only got stronger, which is just a scary thought. because And that he said that before the Mahomes deal, the Chris Jones deal, the Travis Kelsey deal. <laughs> All of those guys, they've now tied down um, for the future. And the Chiefs' window is well and truly open, if not the beginning of a new dynasty. And I think the offense is very much pick your poison because if you're a defensive coordinator, you want to double-team Travis Kelsey, that's absolutely fine. Tyree Kill or Sammy Watkins would just burn you downfield, <laughs> receiving passes from the best quarterback in the league and also handing the ball off to exciting young rookie running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So, I mean, the, the talent is just... It's, it's overpowering, to say the least. And Andy Reid, if I'm Andy Reid, I'm sticking around in Kansas City to coach for another 10 years because that's not how long the home seems to, to, be, um, to be sticking around for. So I'm going to move to the NFC now. Seattle Seahawks is my pick for the NFC. <laughs> I don't know if I'm Ross, going to get a lot of backlash. Ross. But I, think, I think it's a safe pick. It's a safe pick. You say Russ. Russ, I think, is the second best quarterback in the league. Um, obviously, Lamar Jackson was coming off an MVP season, but I think in terms of raw ability, um, I think Lamar, I think defenses are going to start to catch up to Lamar. They're going to start stacking the box. And while he's got an incredible 0 through 100 speed, Russ just as a passer is just unbelievable, especially at the end of games. You can always rely on him to find Tyler Lockett in the end zone. And there's, there's now a nice little offensive core uh, surrounding him. We all know about Tyler Lockett, who at this stage of his career is good for a thousand yards a season, but the physicality of DK Metcalf. I mean, <laughs> that quick and that size and that athleticism at 6'2", 230 or whatever he is, he's sort of like a Megatron build, which is quite scary. Chris Carson, um, a running back who people sleep on. I'm a big fan of him personally, especially in fantasy. Um, JT, I know you're a fantasy guy. So, yeah, Chris Carson, I do like. Um, has good potential in Will Gisley and Jacob Hollister, a tight end. We've seen some sparks from them. Phil, Phil Dostet and Greg Olson, there's some experience there, if no production, but <laughs> yeah, I think um, there's, I mean, there's potential to be a top 10 defense as well. Jordan Brooks, Daryl Taylor early in the draft. So I think Seattle could really make some noise that year. And I think the 49ers and Jimmy G especially are going to drop off a little bit in that division. I think it was a bit of lightning a bottle to say, to say that I think everything fell right for them. And obviously the defense was a big part, but I think the Seahawks are going to win the NFC, um, NFC West, and then the NFC Championship game. I think they're going all the way. So, of those two, I have the Chiefs repeating and winning Super Bowl 55. Every player I'm into is saying the same thing. Christian Aquaria was biased, of course. <laughs> but I think yeah. just, just <laughs> in terms of a, a raw talent standpoint, they've not weakened in Australia since winning this year. Uh, and until I see a team play at the level of my home-fled Kansas City side, the Chiefs remain the team to beat, not only this year, but the foreseeable future so Super Bowl 55 Chiefs defeat the Seahawks and Andy Ring Andy Reid gets his second Super Bowl ring as a head coach so I wrote these down okay 
So we've got them locked in. You're going to hear from us. We may not call you out in public, but we may have to DM you, um, <laughs> you know, or call you out on the show every once in a while. But I've written those down. I think those are solid picks. Um, and for our listeners out there who want to know uh, the picks from JT and myself, you will just need to listen to our annual NFL preview show coming up in the next couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, Seb, good luck with those picks. All right. But again, I, I think you did go conservative there. Don't fall into that Browns trap the way I did last year. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, so good, good picks there. JT, did, did you like those picks? Yeah. Well, I know you, you named everyone that's a favorite player of his. So Russell Wilson, Chris Carson, you know, th those are all his guys. He loves them. Yes, so sir. yeah, I know he's definitely happy with that. <laughs> yes, sir. I can never get Russell Wilson in fantasy though. That always kills me. So guys, Great show, uh, Seb. It has been a pleasure. We hope you'll come back in the future on the show. We'd love to have you back. And before we go, though, if you if you could tell our listeners the name of your podcast, where you can, um, where they can find it, um, your social media handle, um, so let our listeners know so they can start following you. Thanks so much, guys. It's been um, it's been great to be on. People can find me if they're interested. I do mainly interviews with a lot of NFL stars and um, just sports talent. Um, so on Instagram, I'm primarily active at Seb Talk Sports. Twitter, it's exactly the same. Facebook, just type that in, you'll find it. If you prefer listening to podcasts on YouTube, I've also got a YouTube channel. Just search my name, it'll be there. And you can find my podcast on all good podcatchers, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know, Anchor, anything, anything, anywhere you get your podcasts, listen in and Got some more great stuff coming soon and i'm hoping to um be back on this show because this was this is great fun guys thanks so much for having me on and i'm hoping that we stay in touch and we'll do we'll do some more in the future absolutely it's been absolutely. a ton of fun i know i speak uh on behalf of jt as well that we appreciate you coming on we had a blast so we definitely hope you enjoyed it um and yeah we'd love to have you back on and for the listeners out there Great interviews by Seb. Uh, JT and I always enjoy listening to those. Christian Okoye was one of my favorite players growing up, so that was awesome. The Nigerian nightmare. I mean, just just awesome. So that was a cool, cool interview to see him. Um, but, yeah, so the listeners out there, that is Seb Kennedy. Follow him. Listen to his podcast. And JT, another great episode and to the listeners out there thank you for listening and remember you can subscribe to us jt and the don all sports podcast on apple podcast google podcast spotify stitcher and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts and remember if you like what we do leave us a five-star review and jt if you don't like what we do leave us a five-star review and please follow us on social media our handle at jt and the dawn we are on instagram twitter and facebook so jt until the next episode see you peace <laughs>